Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. I don't know if everybody will appreciate it the way I'm appreciating it, but this study in Second Peter chapter 1 is really proving to be, I think, not because of what we're saying in it, but the truth that's in these verses is a gold mine for our spiritual lives and our growth. Welcome to Daybreak <laughs> Devotions. This is Pastor Mike Barnett from McLeansville Baptist Church, and here in body, if not in mind, is Pastor Corey Cantrell. Well, I'm here in both, but I am engaged right now. Wonderful. Uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, First Peter or Second Peter chapter one. I really have enjoyed this. I, I keep thinking before coming to record the next radio broadcast that it just. I think of people that I wish would just tap into this. Again, I want to be clear. I am not saying because the way we're teaching it or all that is the greatest thing ever. It's not really. It's just. It's just what Peter has written here, but but looking at that in the the broad teaching of the scriptures, this is a powerful thing, very helpful. It it is the same kind of thing that any good preaching should do. It should call us out, but also fill us with hope. Yeah. And I think this passage does that so well because it shows me where I'm lacking, but it reinforces in my heart that but that I'm lacking, but I won't always be. Yeah. I'm I'm progressing. I think where I have enjoyed this is this is really a recipe for success in the Christian life. All of these different individual components, when we add all of these together, now we're getting something that's flavorful, it's full-bodied, it's, it's got substance to it. Sounds like a coffee. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you eat something and it's like, ah, oh, man, it, it's just missing a little something. It, need, it needs Taste. A, yeah, it needs a little something else. <laughs> But with all of these, and I think this is the reason that my mind went here when we were talking yesterday about how it's not really like a, a linear or necessarily a step, but it's all components that we need to add. And there is some some sequence to it where this intensifies when you already have this in the equation, and then this is the next logical step. So First Peter chapter, I keep saying First Peter, Second Peter chapter 1. Let me reintroduce it today. I, I, I thought of another way I would I would introduce this, and it'll just kind of bring everybody back on board as we're in Thursday. So it's been, it will be a week now that that I've been bringing some teaching on this and then you joining back in with it. So so let me reintroduce it. The, the key word is become. That's what we've entitled this series, becoming the person in Christ that we are made to be. And I thought about that in, in looking at the Bible again, you know, how Jesus says, you know, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. That's Mark one seventeen. Matthew 18, he says, except you be converted and become as little children. A lot of becoming in the scriptures. But this is the verse that I think really helps give a parallel to this. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And the receiving of him is the faith that Peter introduces this whole thing with in verse 1, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. And we're adding to our faith. 
And when we receive Christ as our Savior, that's the faith, as many as received him. Now, and, and then, of course, John says, them that believe on his name. The faith is where it begins, and the faith is how it continues. We not only received Jesus as Savior, but we continue to believe on his name. Mm -hmm. And in that process, then, John says, he gives power to become the sons of God. So power, power to become the children of God. That is verse 3 through 4 in our text of 2 Peter 1. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That phrase in John 1.12, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Those are some very important words. Power, exousia. When you think of power, what do you tend to think of? Just like right off the cuff. Strength. Yeah, strength. It's kind of the word that we think of when we were looking at this thing of uh, temperance. I'm sorry. When we were looking at temperance yesterday and how the there's a core key word, root word there that talks about having strength and power to control. But this word, exousia, is actually the right and the privilege along with the capacity and authority to do something. So to them who believe Jesus, who trust Jesus, who receive him, we are given the right and privilege along with the capacity and authority to become the sons of God. And when you think about that, we have absolutely no excuse not to, and no one can deny us mm -hmm. to do so. Not even the enemies, not even the world, the flesh, or the devil can deny us becoming the sons of God. This word is most often translated in the New Testament as either power or authority. So here, I mean, in, in John 1.12, it's, you know, power, but it's, it, it may be more frequently translated authority, and I think that helps us understand. He gave us the power to become. You have the authority to become who you have already been made to be in Jesus Christ. That's, that is an encouraging thing, too, because I think a lot of times if we look at power as strength or might, I mean, there's naturally some people that are stronger than others, and it doesn't matter how much weight they lift, how much working out they do. They just don't have the body frame to achieve that level of, of physical strength. So if we're looking at it that way, you know, well, I mean, I, I know God can use me to do whatever, but there's always going to be a limit. But when we're looking at it as an allowance, like, hey, no, you, you have the right, you have the access, you are allowed to do this. Well, I couldn't earn it if I wanted to. I could not physically um, exemplify the right kind of power to acquire this, but it's all by the allowance of God. So if I wasn't allowed to do it, I couldn't forcibly take it. But since I am allowed to do it, there's nothing to do but to do it. And it will be done. Because the very next word, the power to become, is the word genomai, and it means to cause to be, to generate. To, so genomai, or generate, that's where we get our, that word from, to cause to be. In the beginning, God created. God caused to be. And so the power in terms of the strength and capability comes from God. The mm -hmm. authority came from God too, but he's given us that. You have the authority. Do it now. As I said when I introduced this last week, become who you are made to be. Don't just talk about it. Don't just think about it. This is active. This is do something kind of language. Become that person. And the power is there. The power to make it happen. The power to fulfill it. God gives that. 
And then the children of God, when it says that he gave us the power to become the sons of God, I mean, it literally translates sons and daughters, children of God. And so, ladies, gentlemen, all of us have that capacity to become the son or daughter of God that we're made to be in him. Now, up to this point, here's what we have in terms of the qualities being added in our process of becoming the person that we're made to be in Christ. To our faith, which is the gift of God, we've talked about that, God gives every man the measure of faith, and we, we put that faith in Jesus, so we, we have our faith. Now I am to add the quality of virtue, and we've said that's excellence, or a word I will throw in there today, superior, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But we were to add the excellence to our faith, that is make my faith something useful, something distinguished for the glory of God. In other words, I'm living my life out of a belief in God in which I am trusting God for more and more and bringing glory to him. That's excellent or superior faith. Then I'm furnishing that excellent faith with knowledge, which is the increasing perception and experience of God in my daily life so that I am becoming intimately acquainted, able to recognize his presence and work, and so be a more substantive believer. I'm not a babe. I'm not shallow. I'm not just kind of, yes, I believe, but now I'm actually knowing something about my belief. All right. Next, I'm adding to my substantive, excellent faith, the quality of temperance by growing in the knowledge of God and the excelling, the, the excelling faith, which is kind of stirring my heart in my walk. I now want to become the sort of person who is surrendering more and more myself, my self-life, that is doing what I want to do, what I feel like doing, another word is their flesh, and I'm becoming fully immersed in God's will. So that's selflessness, self-surrender. So here's why I changed and added the word superior, because I thought, well, okay, I could put all these words with an S just as a way to help me remember it. What Peter is saying is, is that to this selfless, substantive, superior faith. Now I'm ready to move forward, to advance to the next level of progression, and that's where we're at today, to add to temperance patience. So here we are, first, or Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. So let's talk about patience a little bit. What is patience? Well, one thing I, I thought about, like temperance, patience is listed by Paul as a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and 23. And I think it would be an interesting study to look at the correlation between the list Paul gives in Galatians 5 and what Peter lists here in, in 2 Peter 1 and, uh, and see how they, they kind of come together. But what Peter is definitely asking of us, as you alluded to earlier, is to observe in this a maturing level of, of growing in the grace and knowledge of God. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing is the way Peter lays it out, this add to, add to, add to. So if we were to analogize this in terms of education, this is the thought that I had. I think faith is elementary school. It's a good place. It's where you start. You can't go anywhere without it, right? So faith would be the elementary Virtue is like graduation from faith, okay? So faith is a process through those 
you know, that level of learning the basics and then adding to the basics. And then once we kind of get to virtue, we've graduated there. Now I'm ready for college. And I think knowledge is the collegiate level. Now I'm really taking everything I got down here and I'm going to go now master a higher level of understanding. And then I thought temperance and patience is sort of like the undergraduate level. Because as we said yesterday, this is that next big hurdle in this progression. Moving from faith to virtue is one. And if you think about that, when you're in school, like elementary school, you think graduating high school is arriving. And then you graduate high school and you realize, man, I've barely started. Yep. And so now you get through this and you're learning and you're getting knowledge and you're growing in the Lord and you've got this walk of faith and you're thinking, God, I'm, I love you. I know you better than I ever have. And then what happens? God begins to call out places in your life and say, but what about this? And mm-hmm. what about this? And what about this? And temptation seems to be bigger than it was those early years of being with Jesus. Yep. Now I'm really like, wow, I thought I didn't have a problem with any of that. And here it is. And then on top of that, we say, God, I love you. I, I know you better than ever. And I, I, I'm really just ready to enjoy my days with you. And then God sends trouble our way right? That's the patience part. So this is like undergraduate study. And then I thought, you know, you get to the godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. That's like your post-grad PhD work right there. Now, again, that's the way I I broke that down. You might divide it differently. Somebody else may categorize everything a little differently. But as you said before, and as we alluded to, it's not linear or progressive like a series of rungs on a ladder. You know, there are some young believers without much knowledge um, but they exhibit more godliness than some who have been in the faith longer than them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not, not, not a, like a perfect linear thing in that sense. Matter of fact, to that point, notice verse number 8. Paul, Peter says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, If they're in you and abound. Now the word abound there means that they are to be increasing more and more. I think of abundance sometimes in my mind like, oh, you've got this and you have a bunch of it. Yeah. But that's not the idea there. The idea here is that it's in you. So you have, for example, today we're talking about patience. You have patience. You have a certain amount of patience. Peter is saying, I'm not saying that you you reach a point where all of a sudden you've got all of patience. You are just the epitome of patience. No, the idea here and the ideal is that you have patience, but you're increasing in it as you go along. It's like a flourishing thing. Like Mm -hmm. it's you've got the plant, and you might get a little bit of fruit or a little bit of growth one year, but then eventually that plant starts producing more and more and more fruit. It's always been, you know, if it's an apple tree, it's it's always been an apple tree. It's always been there. But you know, at first you might just get a couple apples. And then eventually, when it's abounding, it's just really ratcheting up the fruit production. And if we look at it like that in our life, the patience is within me. But as I go along, I ought to be producing the fruit of it far more and more. Because as I forget how long ago it's been, you preached through the fruit of the Spirit. And and you really emphasized these are not the fruits, plural, of the Spirit but rather all of these are the fruit manifested differently. Like one of them really cool fruit baskets here. This is the yes. fruit. Yes, and, and so to everyone that has the Spirit of God in them, 
these are the fruit that the Spirit is going to produce in their life. But as we flourish, as we abound in that, it's going to really increase the, the production of these different things. So all of these ingredients are already here in us. It's just a matter of cutting away all of the other stuff so that this fruit will begin to display more and more. Yeah, when you get in Jesus, you get all this stuff in you through the Spirit, as mm -hmm. you just said. Now, I had an analogy I wanted to give. You made me think of another one. And, and we've used this analogy already about furnishing a home, but if you think about it, most of us that came up in a more sensible way, in other words, didn't run out with credit cards and try to fill our house with the finest of things <laughs> when we got married, most of us when we got married filled our house with used stuff that people were passed down. Hey, buddy, I've got this couch in my family room that you're more than welcome. <laughs> great. It'll look great with that orange crate <laughs> coffee table you've got. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you had things, but then as you progress along and you do well and you plan wisely, you get better things, and, and it works out that way. The, the idea I had, and, and you had to pardon another military reference, but it's like a special forces soldier. So when you see a seasoned Green Beret, now you won't necessarily know you're seeing them, but if you're on a post like Fort Bragg, um, I guess it's Fort Liberty now, so people, the, anybody that didn't know it was Fort Bragg would know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it's home of the Special Forces, right? If you're on post and you see a seasoned Green Beret, and I don't just mean they're wearing a Green Beret, like they are the Green Beret. That's the Special Forces guys. And, and he's, uh, you know, you see him, he's got stripes on his sleeve and he's, old, you know, a little bit older. What you're looking at right there, you're seeing someone who has put in years of training and has years of experience. But think about it like this. From the first day they stood in their first formation at basic training as a new, brand new, raw recruit, they were becoming special forces. Mm -hmm. Even if they didn't know it at the time. Like this guy just gets out of high school and says, yeah, I'm going to join the Army. And doesn't even know at that time that, you know, 10 years down the road or 15 years down the road, he's going to be this seasoned Green Beret soldier. But the moment he, he got in that formation the first day, he was becoming that special forces guy because you can't be the special forces guy without learning how to march, mm -hmm. without learning what the rank is, all the, you know, being able to identify all that. So it's the same way. When I first believed on Jesus, I was becoming a godly charity field person, but I'm not that seasoned, godly, full of God's love person that I will be down the road, but I do have it in me now. Mm -hmm. So I think those are great analogies to lay that groundwork. Now let's get on with patience. We've endured, we've shown a lot of patience here waiting for it. So when many people, when they begin to think about um, a patient person, they think about the person who can stand in line without complaining. Like they're, you know, in the grocery store and everybody else is like, oh, this is taking forever. That'd be me. And then the person that's standing there is with patience is the one that doesn't say anything. They don't complain. Or they're the person that when everybody else is flying down the interstate, woo, 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 they're just driving it at speed limit. Don't have to get in a hurry. Now, those are patient people, and that is a right understanding of patience, but it is, as far as the Bible is concerned, an incomplete idea of patience. So if we just think of it that way, we might not get what God is saying here. So the word patient or patience here is hupomene, and I never say that the same way twice, so don't ask me to. But it is one of my favorite Greek words that when I when I'm looking at it in the in the Bible, but it means to be cheerful or hopeful or to have that cheerful endurance, 
as you're going through things. So some people will just sit there and never say a word, but they're steaming inside. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not real patience, right? But this is something more even than just the person who just stands there and doesn't complain. They may not be angry. They're just there. This is to actually be there and be excited about being there. Now, I, I just want to let that soak in a minute because what God is usually talking about when he talks about us needing to be patient, he's talking about real trials of life. Yeah. And it's hard for us to sit there and think, you know, I am so excited about being here. <laughs> and, of course, we can misunderstand that too. But the root word to this, hupomeno, means to stay under something or remain there. It means to have fortitude. We've heard it said before, uh, somebody who has stickability. And so if we put all of that together, we understand this word patience to be the capacity to stay under whatever the challenge is and to do so with cheer and hopefulness. Now, in a moment, I'm going to tell you how I believe that is even possible. But just that that description right there, that patience means the capacity to stay under whatever the challenge is and do so with cheer and hopefulness. As you're talking, it reminds me of what Peter says just back a couple of pages in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye shall be you may be glad also with exceeding joy. You know, he's, he's talking about we, we rejoice when we go through these tough times and we, we celebrate and we do this with gladness because of the reason that we're facing the suffering. Because I'm experiencing this trial because of my walk with Christ, because of my life in Jesus. And this is an opportunity to experience more of his grace, to experience more of his power, to allow more of his life to live out through me. So this is a perspective change instead of the woe is me, why is this happening to me, what did I do to deserve this, what am I being you know, punished for, oh no, but we enter into it instead deliberately of this, this is a good thing, this is what's supposed to happen, this is the natural cause of somebody that is walking with Christ, so thank you Lord for counting me worthy to go through this, and I'm just going to be honest, that's, that is a that that is a foreign way of thinking to to the natural man. I mean, it it's still it's pretty foreign to my well, way of thinking. I used the wrong term earlier, didn't I? I called the undergraduate. I meant graduate level. Yeah. Can we go back? Can we review, replay the tape? No. When I because you're I'm thinking about again temperance and patience. I meant to say that's graduate level. That's yeah. above like regular. It's like college. when you're getting your master's. Yeah, but see, that's why. That's why we understand this as being, there's a level here to which we don't just start out in Christ with that understanding, but we progress into that. Here, here's an illustration, because what we're saying is, is that the ability to stay under means that I am seeing something beyond the problem or the struggle. So my illustration that popped into my mind right away this morning is my class last night. I've already told you about it, but in, in the class last night, the instructor was laying some serious challenges on us in terms of exercises and it was some it was some hard strenuous stuff that we were doing and I don't want to make light of the phrase but you've heard of the trail of tears mm-hmm. well if you'd have been there last night seeing me in that class you would have saw literally a trail of sweat where I was doing this workout I mean up and down the floor there's a, literally I the shiny trail of sweat it was it was something because it was tough but after every round after every exercise that we did I came up from it smiling. Now, there's multiple reasons for that. Don't have to unpack it all, but I mean, like, part of it is you could really talk about the fellowship of being in the company of other people that are suffering with you. Mm -hmm. That's fellowship. 
but it was also the encouragement of the the instructor that was there that keeps you like feeling, you know, you're doing good, recognizing this is tough, but you're hanging in there. That was helpful. But I think it's it's having that end in mind of knowing that this is making me stronger. This is, there's I'm going to be better for this when it's all said and done. So right up to the end, I kept thinking after everything, I was like, okay, give me more. All up until the end, in which by the very last thing, I was saying, okay, I might need help walking out of here. So, you know, I, I found my limits. But thinking again of the literal meaning of this word, hupomeno. See, I didn't even say it the same way that time, but that's because it comes from these two different words, hupo, which means under. And think of it in terms of being under the rule of someone, right? And then meno, which means to abide or remain. And I think there's a very important understanding here of what patience is. You see, when we give up, when we say, I've had enough, this isn't fair, I'm out of here. I think it is because we see ourselves as under the problem or under the person or the people or under the circumstances, and we've lost sight of the reality that as a follower of Jesus and a child of God, I am actually under God. I am under Christ. And so I can remain in the trial. I can remain in the challenge only as I learn to do so abiding in God first. Mm -hmm. If all I can see is the injustice, the unfairness, the victimization, why is this happening to me, then I'm going to end up quitting. Yep. But if I can see this, no, God, as you were saying earlier, God, this is by your design. You're in control. I am yours. I wouldn't be here if you had not allowed this. Then all of a sudden, think about how this could help our divorce rates. Mm-hmm. Think about how this could help pastor pastoral tenure in yeah. churches. And, and, and maybe we give up and quit less because we keep ourselves under God, not under, as they say, the circumstances. Luke 21, 19, Jesus said, In your patience possess ye your souls. Well, we're about out of time. About out of time. A lot of verses that we could reference, um, a lot of people that we could reference, Job, Joseph, Jesus himself, the Apostle Paul, so many. But let's close with the final question we always close with. How do we add patience? And just real quickly, I, I wrote down three things. I don't know if you have anything in, in terms of how to add patience, but maybe you can speak to some of these. But number one, like I've said every time, Peter says giving all diligence. So it has to start there. I'm telling you, patience is never earned without the sweat. Mm-hmm. Let's just go ahead and say sometimes it actually is the blood, sweat, and tears. But that's how we get it, and we've got to be willing. It is a heart thing. It's an attitude first. I've got to be willing. Number two, I think we add patience by learning to abide in Christ. Just learning to keep ourselves in the presence of Jesus more and more. That is, that is where we're going to be patient because, again, I'm trying to see how I'm under him first, not under the circumstances first. And then the third thing, I think, is we, we train our soul in endurance. So if knowledge is power, as we've heard, and we talked about that the other day, patience is like endurance. So, so think about it in terms of training. We might be doing a lot of weightlifting. And I was talking to, the, to my trainer last night, and I said, yeah, I work out, but not like this. <laughs> and uh, uh, I said, you know, we do some strength training. We do these types of things, but this right here is going to take me to another level of fitness and ability and endurance. 
And when we think about our spiritual life, we need to add to our weightlifting, which is our study and our meditation, our growing in knowledge. We need to add some endurance, some cardio training. And how do we do that? We choose to enter into situations, relationships, and activities that will build that resilience. Mm -hmm. In other words, we actually have to choose sometimes to walk into the uncomfortable, hard things that will test our patience in the Lord. Now, somebody said, notice he didn't say pray for patience because you shouldn't pray for patience. Let me go ahead and add number four. You better pray yeah. because trouble's coming either way. So don't fall into the trap of the old, don't pray for, pray for patience. You better pray and desperately pray for the patience to endure. And stop trying to retreat from the issues. You know, I, I like what you said about, about choosing to enter into them. Again, our natural disposition is I don't want problems. I don't want difficulties. Reprogram our thinking to understand it's not a matter of if the difficulty comes. It's a matter of when it comes. And am I going to have what is necessary to survive and ultimately thrive through the difficulty? So if I'm in a problem or if I'm in a stage of life right now where I'm not in the middle of big difficulties, I need to understand they're eventually coming. So I better not shy away from the small difficulties that are going to give me the strength and endurance and the capability to not lose heart and faint when ultimately the big difficulties do come down the road. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, the opportunity for us to look at this again today. And, man, tomorrow's Friday, so let's come back and do it again. So have you a wonderful rest of your day, and we look forward to seeing you right here next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.